Welcome to Fakes and Frauds, a podcast about hoaxes, deception, and straight-up scams. I'm Glennis. You may notice that uh, I'm I'm flying solo, but not completely solo. No, I've got a special guest, a very special guest today, by the name of Fred. So I'm joined by Fred, and Fred is a very special friend of mine. Uh, we first crossed paths in Stockholm, Sweden, and then he followed me to this old United Kingdom. And uh, Fred, perhaps you can introduce yourself. What do you do? Why are you here? And what are you offering us today? Um, I, <laughs> uh, what I do, I'm an illustrator and ceramicist who's also like, I don't know, some form of like arts educator, I guess I should also say at this point. Um, very invested in the queer community in London. Yes, also Fred is our um, our resident homosexual for the episode. Um, <laughs> which, oh, yeah, why do we need I one? I, I mean, didn't say that I'm gay. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think I had to say, but yeah, I'm gay too. No, yeah. you must. I'm very, you must. Um, very gay. Today, uh, you may know if you have a calendar, uh, Valentine's is just around the corner. And so we thought we would tell a story about the game of love. <laughs> what a wild game. Do you spell that G-A-M-E or do you spell it G-A-Y-M-E? I don't... Oh, do you know? I know what that means. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it either could work in, this, in, in these circumstances. Today we have a, a very fascinating case um, and it is one that you will be blown away by you will laugh cry various other emotions that i don't know the names of because i'm dead inside <laughs> obviously when we talk about love and deception we often would go to think about that old catfishing people pretending to be someone they're not on the internet now fred have you ever come across anything of this description in your life um well i think I have one specific case, but then it's also like, I think I often think about, uh, especially when I was younger, like all of these um, men or whoever who pretended to be someone else on the internet and I kind of just trusted them and they probably just have a lot of naked pictures of me now. That, <laughs> but I don't really like know who they were, but it was very clear when I like grew up and like, oh yeah, they were probably like not the person that was actually on that picture they sent me. They were probably someone else. Um, but like my most clear uh, catfishing was a guy I dated. We went on a couple of dates. It's a very clear definition there, I would say. Um, but he seemed like he was like so Im impressive when we met and he was like very like passionate about his work. And he was just like, oh my God, I work as like the, uh, I'm like a, one of the fashion editors of like ID magazine and like I've like done makeup on these music videos. I work with these stars. I style these people, blah, 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 blah. blah. And he's like, oh, I'm also like recovering from like cancer. And he just had this like, oh. whole dramatic like timeline laid out. And I was just there like still in uni being like, wow, this person is so cool. But then I met someone else who'd been on a date with them and they just looked at me being like, you should run away as fast as you can um because it and then I started looking up the credits and all of these things that he had listed yeah and he wasn't like involved in any of the music videos he didn't he had like done one shoot with ID magazine and it was just like it just came crumbling down and I kind of just like stopped replying to his text messages 
because I was like, I don't really know what to say because I'm kind of scared of him right now. Um, but yeah, that's uh, nothing creepy happened other than the fact that I just realized that every single thing that he's ever told me was just like another lie. Um, oh my God. If that happened to me, I would be so curious to like, I would keep seeing them completely just to like try to unravel. But I mean, that's, I mean, if you I also do, that, do a podcast can, about it. Yeah, you can do that. Um, that's just not uh, what I would do, which is why I didn't do it. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's wild as well. Like, especially like there was definitely like a golden era for lying about like pretending to be someone else on the internet. Like when I was, <laughs> when I was like 11, I would go into chat rooms and pretend to <laughs> pretend to be Avril Lavigne <laughs> I don't like I did it quite a lot like my best friend growing up Kevin hi um he will remember just me just like going and telling these elaborate stories to people on chat rooms that I was Avril Lavigne Whoa. and I was like researching my fans or something is very weird but now it's like it is obviously quite hard to get away with yeah and especially if you're lying about something that's like very public facing like working in fashion or whatever um it's ballsy ballsy mm. move I had this thing I did when I was a kid. <laughs> if you like now, it's going to make me sound like a really messed up person. But um, my brother... And well, me- you grew up in the middle of nowhere yeah. in Sweden with like no sunlight and you're a homosexual. Yeah. And I just, um, those are good excuses. Yeah. I probably should have seen the homosexuality coming, uh, judging from this. But like, so me and my brother didn't really always see eye to eye and I still stand by this day that he was like fucking annoying and like kind of mean to me because he was like physically stronger and I was like this wimpy little kid who didn't really like I didn't really know what else to do so one of my master plans that I've done and I've done many some of them he still doesn't know that I've done which I'm not gonna (laughs) talk about but like this one was that we had this like social network before Facebook before MySpace there was like a Swedish one called Luna Storm, and it was like super popular. Whoa, that sounds really badass. I know, um, but you could. It also sounds like a porn star name. <laughs> it could probably be both. Um, yeah, but so I had a user on there. Everybody I knew had a user on there, and we just used to send messages and chat. And like boys my age used to like try to like flirt with girls who lived somewhere else or whatever. Um, so I had this like master plan that I was going to make a profile that was like a girl and I was going to like seduce and embarrass my brother uh, which was a plan that lasted for about like three hours because it only took me like making the user and then my sister finding it because I didn't log it out and then being like what are you doing <laughs> um yeah and that's that's then that story so it became more embarrassing. yeah but then you'd also have to like speak in a gross way with your brother but I was prepared because I wanted him <laughs> to feel like that he had fallen You're in love. You were dedicated I to the cause. I wanted him to like, be interested in someone that wasn't there because I wanted him to be like, you, you fucking idiot. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. It was stupid. I was also like 11, 10 at the time. That's fine. So, yeah. I was like, yeah, jump to Canada and I'm pretending to be Avril Lavigne, so I really can't judge in this circumstance. So we should uh, should probably get into, uh, to give the people what they want, we should really get into it. Uh, this tale, as I said, is a wild one. So sit down, buckle in, because shit's about to get 
pretty wild. So today we're talking about the story of uh, Stephen J. Russell. So Stephen J. Russell was born on September 14, 1957. So he was raised by a conservative Christian couple who ran a successful grocery chain across the state of Virginia. And he was adopted. So obviously when Stephen found this out, he was obviously very confused and uh, very interested to learn about his biological parents and specifically his biological mother. So when he grew up, he managed to track down his biological mother and he found out some very devastating news. She was dead? Was she dead? No, <gasps> she was alive. Oh. It was worse, worse than that, No, I would say. Um, so he found out that he was the second of her of four children and he was the only one who was given up for adoption. Mic drop. Was he the youngest? No, no, he was the second oldest. What? So he was like, um, he was a middle child so she, and the mum. So she had kids after. Yeah, and before. Oh my God, okay. Right? So yeah, and uh, also they all had the same biological dad as well. What? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the story goes... Fred is trying not to laugh, but he is. Um, the story goes that his biological mum and his biological dad broke up temporarily. And in that time, she realized she was pregnant. And obviously, this is the 50s in, you know, middle America. She didn't want to face the kind of stigma of having a child out of wedlock. Despite the fact that, like, when she got pregnant, she was probably still married. I don't know. It doesn't make... It's weird. But regardless, that is, I, that will fuck you up. Is this like, <laughs> like one of those cases where did she tell her partner that she was pregnant or did he know? I don't know. But basically, so Stephen finds her and he's like, ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, hey, what are you, who are you? What's up? And he was like, uh, hi, mother, it's me. Stephen, you gave me up for adoption. Why did you give me up for adoption? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Fuck off. So he was obviously pretty sad about that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he kind of moved on with his life, I suppose. And he ended up volunteering for uh, his local police force. And that is where he began dating a little lady of mere 17 years old. I think he was also quite young, um, named Debbie. They fell in love. They got married. So they have a baby and they're living their lives, right? It wasn't until 1985, so their child was 12 years old at this point, that Stephen Russell made quite an announcement to his wife that he would be moving out, leaving the marriage, as he was a gay man. <gasps> oh. oh, yes. <clears throat> Don't worry, gays listening. Yes. We've got we've got the gay part. The gay content <laughs> is about to happen. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have anything to add? No. So, okay. He finally acknowledged that he was gay and told his wife, "Yeah, I can't do this anymore." Yeah. 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 Okay. And she was more or less like pretty okay with it. She was like, "Okay." You're probably going to burn in hell because we're Christian, but, uh, you know, you do you, babes. So he began working as a sales manager 
for a food services company, though he states that it wasn't long before he was unfortunately fired when his boss found out about his sexual orientation. Hmm. So this is around the time that Stephen began taking part in some very dodgy behavior. He began selling fake Rolexes and he managed to make about 45,000 American dollars, which is about $800,000 today. Scam. Insurance scam. Yes. Big old scammy scam. But it took until 1992 for Stephen to finally be arrested and was eventually sentenced to 10 years behind bars for his various crimes. So before Stephen was arrested, he'd been dating a man called James Kempel. James had been diagnosed with HIV and Stephen found himself struggling to accept that with the statistics at the time, James would likely not be alive by the time that that, uh, Stephen was released from prison. And obviously this was devastating. So he decided to focus all of his free time, which was all of his time because he was in prison, uh, to plot an escape. <laughs> he was out of there. He was like, not on my watch. I mean, if so, you have a plan, you have a plan. Um, exactly. It's always go good to have goals. Uh, attempting to uh, get out of prison by himself a gay man in the 80s because I can imagine that like gay men in prisons weren't treated that well in prison mm. around the time either. Just yeah. assumptions being made here, but I can assume. That yeah, I, I, I think those are Not fair. that they're being treated any um, better today, but like... No. It was still around there. You know, it was like extra, extra bad. So Stephen was always known as a very, a very charming man. And he used this charm to get a hold of a women's outfit that had been left in the uh, storage for the female inmates when they were um, they were booked into the prison. So the clothes that they came in on. So he managed to charm some people into grabbing him an outfit. Various descriptions of what this outfit was. Sometimes it's leather chaps. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's a tie-dye t-shirt and sweatpants. But regardless, it was it stood out. I choose. So, I choose to visualize the leather chaps. Thank you. Okay, very much. I respect your choice. Um, so he puts on these leather chaps, and he manages to get himself a guard's one of the guards' portable radios. And after studying profusely the shift patterns of the guards, he manages to make his move. So he confidently walks up to the door taps his walkie-talkie on the glass. And just like that, the doors were opened and he was free. So he made it. He made it out. He walked out of prison. (laughs) With confidence and chaps, you can do anything. (laughs) Wow. We all know this. Um, I mean, if you don't don't act suspicious as as a white person, I feel like you can get away with a lot of things in life, can't you? So after two years of freedom living in Mexico with Kempel, uh, Stephen was caught and returned to prison. So James Kempel unfortunately died of complications due to AIDS a few weeks later. On December 29th, 1994, Stephen Russell met someone who would enthrall him for years to come and completely 
change the narrative. Oh. <laughs> I'm, assu- I'm assuming that this is like a positive enthralling, do you know? Well, fucking hold on to your pants because okay. you're about to find out. Yeah. Um, so Philip Morris was a sensitive Southern man who stood at only five foot two. He'd been arrested and imprisoned due to an overdue rental car charge. The two met in the prison library where it is stated that Morris was trying to reach a book on the top shelf. (laughs) Oh my God. And Stephen Russell being six foot two was there to save the day. I love that. I can relate to that. That It's such a meet cute. Yeah. It happens to me a lot. Yeah. You're just standing around waiting for short men to need a, need a hand. So the two began a relationship and they fell in love. Russell was released lawfully the next year and then proceeded to pose as Morris's lawyer to have him released early so they could spend their life together. So Russell tells a story about being motivated by his love for Morris and wanting to provide him with a lavish life, which led him to lie his way into a CFO position for a medical company where he would end up embezzling around $800,000. What does CFO stand for? Chief Financial Officer. Whoa, okay. Money man. Yeah. Nice. Head of money town. Yeah. Um, so later, when he was asked why he would need to do this, he was already on a very impressive salary. Russell made a claim that it was a bit of an act of defiance towards a company that he believed uh, to play a role in his late partner's maltreatment when dealing with AIDS. Whoa. I mean, whether or not that's true, we don't know. I mean... Maybe a bit of both. I guess, like, there's an interesting thing to think about there, because how much did he embezzle? $800,000. And then how... But he... I, I'm like a person that I would believe in like the Robin Hood narrative, but then that also means you need to like share that money. So if he would have <laughs> yeah, like, he kind of... if he would have like donated that money to, you know, like any organizations that were like helping like the community fight the yeah. epidemic at the time, I'll be like, fuck yeah, do you know? But if you can yeah. spend it, because um, when you say lavish lifestyle, I imagine like loose roads. They had like. Pool. M- like yeah. big sun hats and sunglasses <laughs> and like expensive alcohol and like mansion. Yeah. Yeah. They had like matching Ferraris or something. Amazing. It was, That's also yeah. just kind of good and fun, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was not exactly like, you know, yeah, it was not a Robin Hood vibe going on. So on May 13th, 1996, when Russell caught wind that uh, the feds were on to him, he confessed to Morris about his shady behavior, including the fact that he used Morris's name to open accounts to store much of his stolen money. Yeah, not great. So both men were arrested uh, with Morris being released on bail shortly after. Russell's bond was set at $900,000. So it would not be as simple But with his quick wit and charm, he managed to pull some strings, uh, which involved impersonating a judge and writing a bad check, and was released yet again. Whoa. I can't believe he can get, he managed to 
I feel like if you, <laughs> I don't know, it's like a stupid reference, but like if you would imprison like I don't know, like Loki, the god of mischief, or something, you would you know that that's what they do. So therefore, wouldn't you just like double check everything if you know yeah. that like he's a scammer? Maybe you should just like double check these papers. Maybe she yeah. called yeah. this judge. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, he was posing as the judge, but no, it's true. Like also 90s, different time. There's nothing as convincing. Uh, it's nothing as convincing as an official document. That letterhead, just, you know, that's it. That like <laughs> it. <laughs> I just love office, right. office supplies letterhead. It's very official. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think you and Russell have that in common. He loved a bit of letterhead. So... This time it didn't take police long to catch up with him and he was sent back to prison and sentenced to 45 years. But it wouldn't be long before Stephen Russell made yet another prison escape. I think if you're a crafty person, which you are, Fred, you might appreciate this this ruse. So while he was in prison, he started to notice that a lot of the visiting doctors wore these kind of tealy, light greeny scrubs. So using his charm, Russell managed to get himself a plethora of green markers, which he used to dye his white work uniform to match the scrubs of these visiting doctors. (laughs) Oh my God. Amazing. Um, Yeah. Also, if you find some interviews with with Russell, he'll talk about giving you like dyeing tips. Uh, (laughs) Because <laughs> obviously he had to he had to really perfect it to make it them look like they were naturally sort of that color. So again, he studied the schedules of the guards, and when he saw that one of the receptionists was distracted, he confidently walked up to the desk in his freshly dyed outfit and again was let out of the prison's front door. Whoa. Again, white man confidence. Oh my god, like. Um, and a couple sharpies and you are good to go i feel like yeah as much as this this is like it's both a story of his um like attentiveness but also the flaws of like checking up on your prisoners in prison system i should think we should abolish prisons anyway but like yeah um yeah i think both parties did interesting things in this case. <laughs> interesting choices. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also keeping in mind that, you know, Stephen Russell is not a violent person. So he's never, um, as, you know, as far as we know, he's never assaulted anyone. He's never committed any acts of violence. So we can we can kind of side with him a little bit here. I mean, obviously, you know, don't embezzle that much money. That's... I would say a bit too much money to embezzle if you're if you're you know looking at that as a life choice, um, but um, he wasn't a violent man. So when the authorities caught on, which uh, it was reported that it took quite a long time for them to figure out he was gone, they knew that where they found Morris, they would find Russell, and the two were arrested in M- Mississippi not long after. So after being incarcerated yet again, Stephen Russell's weight plummeted and he began 
appearing very gaunt and very reserved. Russell informed the prison guards that he had contracted HIV. So when Stephen Russell started to appear as though he did not have much longer left on this earth, he was transferred to a medical facility in order to make his final days a little bit more comfortable. He was released from the facility to be transferred to a Houston hospital where he was accepted to undergo an experimental treatment. But Stephen Russell never arrived. Hmm. That's right. He was on the run yet again. Wow. So after being imprisoned the the year prior, Russell began heavily researching the symptoms and signs of HIV and AIDS and began to mimic them to appear as if he had it. He forged a few doctor's notes and, of course, did some impersonation. And eventually he saw his chance to escape and he did just that. Wow. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, it's not great, is it? No. As a person who has an uncle who passed away in their um, peak epidemic in Sweden, I'm kind of feeling like the fact that a person is trying to like gain an upper hand and get out of problems and fake that when people are dying from it. Mm. That's like people, if some, if I heard that someone would like fake that they had COVID just to get out of work now, I would be like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, and I no, think... Okay. Especially because, like, there's obviously, well, I don't know the statistics to be fair, but I imagine there, there were a lot of people imprisoned um, who did have HIV and AIDS at that time, and to know that they potentially may be negatively affected by this kind of big ruse, um, yeah, is horrible. Mm. It definitely sounds persistent, um, obsessive. And like, I would say, I almost feel like he seems to have the energy to achieve his goals that but then he just chose that the way he achieved his goals is scamming people but then he probably could have just applied that energy to like anything and just gotten you know yeah yeah Um, definitely that's how I think I feel like that about this um and I think that like when he got that like CFO position you know and he was on like a hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever like he did that from hustling basically from like you know researching the lingo that they used and all that kind of stuff um he could have just stopped there Mm. (laughs) i mean that wasn't great either you shouldn't lie on your cv but he just had to push it further so is he alive today if the story is not over yeah okay continue (laughs) so by this time stephen russell's notorious charm had worn off on Philip Morris. And when Stephen showed up to try to reconcile, Morris said, I don't think so, buddy. I don't think, I don't know exactly what he said, but, <laughs> but he's, he, he was like not interested. <laughs> he was like, listen, you, you got me like sent to prison twice at least. And, you know, yeah, we had like a nice like romance and whatever, but get out of here i don't want to go back to the slammer i mean to be honest i probably would have dumped him ages ago too (laughs) (laughs) yeah if i found that there's someone i use my information and like to embezzle money i'll be like um so i'm out Um, yeah that's that's enough for me yeah i am (laughs) also there's just something so 
hilarious about this guy, like putting all of this work into like this year long lie. Obviously it's not a great lie to like finally be reunited with like the love of his life and then turning up and then just being like, nah, I'm good. Thanks. Be like, and you're like standing there and you weigh like two stone and you're like, (laughs) I guess it's like this thing being like, well, I didn't ask you to do that for me. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't ask you to invest all money so we could live in a fancy mansion and have matching Ferraris. Yeah. Um, And to be fair, like there's so there's like a lot of um, interviews and stuff with Philip Morris. And that's like the thing that he consistently says. He is like, I was fine, like living in just like, you know, one bedroom flat and like whatever. Like this was all kind of him. And obviously this is just kind of. I wonder how much of that is true, though, because it's like, well, do you know when you I feel like this is there's a, a sense of like the projection of the heroic self or like the unknowing spectator being like, oh I had no idea and you're like mm. Mm. I mean he probably knew. yeah there's like a few there's like a few sources where yeah like various journalists and stuff are a bit skeptical of kind of Morris's story <laughs> but yeah I he he claims that he didn't know and that um he was he just wanted to be with Stephen and Stephen had to make everything flashy so after Stephen Russell was rejected from Morris, he posed as a millionaire from Virginia and tried to take out a $75,000 loan from a Dallas bank. Uh, they tipped off authorities and he was arrested again a week later. Mm. So, you know, can't, can't teach an old dog new tricks. Uh, he was sentenced to 144 years in prison, which is where he remains to this day. Whoa. I always wonder what the fuck that is about, really. Like the how they why do they give 144 years? Is that like so if you get like an appeal, they're like, okay, we'll take five years of it. It's just like an impossible number. Yeah. So in this case, they gave him they did actually break it down. So they sort of gave him it was like 44 years for the fraud. Um and then hundred years that's <laughs> so just... crazy because it's like I mean I know people get like almost I feel like some people would get more time for less of a you know less crime sometimes yeah but it's like, well, they... a, like it's a funny concept about like how how can you give someone more years than a human like can possibly live as like a prison sentence is just beyond me um yeah and I think <clears> that <throat> a lot of people speculate including um Stephen Russell that a lot of it had to do with kind of the ego obviously had been hit quite hard for the you know Texas law enforcement that this guy had managed to break out of prison four times yeah um they were kind of like right you've made a fool of us fuck you here's 144 years even though you've never hurt anyone yeah and you know yeah they were all sort of you know for lack of a better term kind of white collar crimes um So yeah, in 2010, the film I Love You, Philip Morris was released, which depicts much of Russell's crimes and his relationship with Philip Morris. He, Philip Morris, worked very closely with the filmmakers to ensure that the film was accurate, uh, whereas obviously Russell only has managed to grab a few quick glimpses on YouTube, (laughs) um, but seems to be pretty uh, approving of the portrayals. Um, 
Russell released a book entitled After Philip Morris in 2018, which offers an insight into his latest prison sentence and the lessons he's, he's learned over the years. Uh, as of 2017, it's reported that Philip Morris lives in a remote area of Arkansas and spends his day painting, drawing, and fishing. Wow. And he does not have any contact with Stephen Russell. Well, he was obviously, like, addicted to the thrill of a scam. I feel like we yeah. can all agree that that is, like, a thing. Um, because if you, it's, like, if the scam is, do you just, like, need to make sure that you can, like, survive? That's, like, a different story but if you need to like achieve that like crazy level of like wealth and lifestyle it becomes it's definitely like about something else isn't it um the this like the lunatics who say that they did it out of love not because they're crazy because they were in love but they were like crazy and in love and that's do you know Am yeah. I making any sense? Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to think of a reference of Crazy in Love. Is that a Beyonce song? Yes. yes okay. Yes, yes. Is that's... that Drunk in Love? Or is it both? No, that's the two different songs. Okay, sorry. Crazy sorry. in Love was like the one that skyrocketed her like solo career. And people were like, wow, like she doesn't need Destiny's Child. She is the destined child. And then Drunk in Love is like from, I think it's like, it's, it's from the album that she just the first album that she just released out of nowhere i can't remember what the title of it is but it was the first album that had like music videos for all of the songs it's like oh like, lemonade no that's the second oh the first sorry. official album i think it's just called <laughs> like beyonce or something um but yeah anyway i'm sure that when she wrote the song she was speaking about this case i think r- rumor has it that this was the inspiration <laughs> okay um i mean if you don't want to make that canon you can do that um that's great i always find it's kind of funny um, because i do a lot of work that's like autobiographical and like um but i can what's just, your um what's your instagram uh freddy lanka or freddy lanka as some people like to pronounce it even though it's like appalling um <clears throat> how do you spell it F R E double D E L A N K A Fredelanka. Um, He's on all the socials. Yeah, get on there. Um, but like, it's interesting when you because obviously when you make it's the fact that so he wrote a book, but then Philip Morris got a movie made out of it. Is that what you said? I mean, the the, the film was about both of them. Yeah, but like. But Philip Morris was involved in the movie, but then Stephen yeah. wrote a book about himself and yeah. prison. Yeah. Um, it's always it's interesting that like they both managed to like capitalize on their own like self-deprecating mm. narrative in a way. Uh, obviously, mm. like Philip Morris has it like way better because he's just like painting in Arkansas or whatever. <laughs> what do I know? So Fred, do you have any um heartwarming tales about deception that you'd like to uh, sign us <laughs> off with today <laughs> um do you mean the article you sent me yeah. i think i mean the article that i sent you and yes. told you you should read um this like very captivating article in the atlantic that um 
I feel like I almost just want to like explain the premise and then I want to like tear into the way that it's written because it's so, uh, what's the word, like infuriatingly straight. Um, <laughs> and like the language they use, it just says a lot about like how, what image straight people have on love and affection and what like values they put. Um, so I think this is like a story, I think this is a story where no one's in the right. <laughs> or maybe like it's just the way that it's written that makes it seem like they're all fucking idiots. Um, I've, I really want on my like headstone, this is a story where no one's in the right. Yeah. I think that is a <clears throat> so, great motto. Um, this is the story about this woman named Emma. Hi, Emma. Who I think she was like 33 at the time. She downloaded a dating app. And when was this? It's in 2005, 15, 2015. Um, she, so she downloaded an app, and uh, this person starts like flirting with her. And it's this person who refers to themselves as Ronnie. And Ronnie is this like model, it's like the the basic like what's it? the proper depiction of like tall dark and handsome right um it's like very cliche like backstroke hair looking lovely uh <laughs> jeans jackets and all of that bullshit i guess i don't know um <laughs> i thought from... you were saying jeans and jackets <laughs> no just like or like denim. trousers and tops like you know like a denim jacket like okay. a typical like cool. washed denim jacket maybe he i imagine that he is the kind of person that wears like jeans that are like pre-ripped because he thinks it looks cool because he doesn't care about the environment. Um, but anyway, she, she spends quite a long time talking to this person who says that he's an electrician living like far away from her, but in the UK. Oh, they're so all in the UK, been that far. supposedly. And like they get like really close to each other and she's like really enjoying it. Uh, and she keeps on asking him to go on a date, but he just says he's busy all the time. You wouldn't no, have that in Rona, let me tell you. No, no, now it's all FaceTime and um, Zoom dates or whatever, but, and they never like call each other either. Uh, but she's just like, so, oh my God, like this person really sees me. He's being really supportive of her life and like helping her to like go through like different things. And it's just all so lovely. Uh, and this goes on for like quite a while, um, like a couple of months. But then, so she works at this restaurant and this colleague of her, who's like way younger uh, than her, is described in this article that he's like, he's described as like the baby faced colleague, which I also think is really fucking <laughs> weird. Um, but anyway, he tells her he's he doesn't want to meet you. He's probably not even who he says he is. He's probably like an old man. And she's like, what? No, no. And then it all kind of like starts to slowly unravel. And it turns out that Ronnie is not the person in all of the pictures mm. he sends. <clears throat> that he's actually, his name is Alan and he's a 50 something uh, as they describe it, bald man, bald short man, which is really like derogatory of like people who aren't tall and bald because it makes it, it the article makes it seem as the worst like thing. Two, two things they're like, oh, 
if you have these qualities, yeah. you're ugly, um, which is not true. Uh, but anyway, so she eventually. How does she find this out? Do we know? Yeah, so it's like he denies it at first when she starts like questioning it and she like believes him but then he like accidentally sends an email to her from his actual email (gasps) uh and she like googles his name and then she just sees all these pictures of this person and she's like oh no he's like he's not this prince charming that i had depicted until like world comes crumbling down and she like confronts him about it and then they like stay in contact uh, because she's like, we were friends. We had this relationship. Oh, like, it was very strange. But Alan still thinks that he, like, has a chance to, right. like, um, like be with her to the point where they actually meet in London, where he, like, goes to London. And is, he describes it as, like, oh, it was lovely. Like, she paid for dinner and blah, 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 blah. But her story is, like, nah not gonna happen it was nice to meet him to get some like closure to this but definitely yeah. not um because i can't take someone who's short and bald ah, is her opinion yeah. um but the thing that she does is that she does like a reverse google search so she manages to find the name of the guy in the pictures that alan used right this like and mls she, like, model guy yeah basically and he's this like Turkish guy who's a model and she like sends him a message and says oh this guy is like catfishing using your pictures I just thought you should know and he's like oh no I'm so upset that you were deceived by my good looks but it wasn't me (laughs) um they were so sad it had to be a short bald man um but they like hit it off and they like start talking about how much they hate short bald men (laughs) and they like FaceTime and like he like comes to the UK to see her and they're like together now. Whoa. So she becomes, so she she got the real deal then. Yeah. (laughs) In 2017, Emma sends Alan a goodbye text message saying, Alan, I wanted to tell you that tomorrow I'm going to pick up Adeem who's like the actual model at the airport and I still don't know if it's good or bad but I'm going to meet my Ronnie you built up all this shit I'm not sure if you should if I should thank you or detest you for that but this is happening and then that's it that was like the last time they spoke to each other my Ronnie yeah. do you think she, that she like would say that to him in the bedroom um maybe <laughs> but it's just funny how it's so like why would you choose the name Ronnie I just think this piece of journalistic writing because it's written as if it's like a saucy fucking like love novel but like there's so many like visual depict like descriptions of the looks of people everything from like alan's like age looks and wrinkly face to like the baby-faced young person who tells her he's an old man like you know it's very much like a very shallow article about like an actual quite interesting subject I would say but she's happy now because mm. she has her Ronnie um <laughs> and you know but if I could be the judge I don't think any of them deserve anybody <laughs> it's your official like here, ruling here I'm sitting being fucking single I'd be happy to date a lovely short and bald man any day as long as it's not yeah. like a fucking conservative voter. 
Hit him up. <clears throat> Actually, no, there's a lot of other cues. Like, I would, if he was, like, short and bald and, like, a landlord, <laughs> I wouldn't. No. Yeah, that's three strikes in your head. Yeah, aim. no, I wouldn't do that either. Or a police officer. Fireman? Yeah. Yes. Doctor? Yes. Nurse? Yes. Police officer? Mm, no. Landlord? Definitely no. I am... Um... Yeah, I'm glad that you've made your um, requirements public. Some people call me picky. I just think I have a very clear sense of taste. Fair enough. Um, well, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. <laughs> no worries. Uh, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a wild ride. Um, any takeaways, any um, lessons we've learned today? Um, I mean... If I dated someone and they like scammed a little bit so we could have a slightly nicer life, I'd be like, okay yeah. with it. Yeah. Or stealing pencils from the office so we don't have to buy them ourselves. I think that would be okay. <laughs> Such an illustrator thing to say. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's just romantic and that's resourceful. Yeah. And it's also common sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think be resourceful, don't be scammy. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you would like to uh, subscribe, like, tell your friends, tell your dads and mums and, and, and cousins and f- pets, tell them all. And um, follow us on the internet. We've got a website. We've got a <laughs> Twitter with like two tweets. Uh, but we've also got an Instagram, fakes and frauds, uh, fakesandfrauds.com. Uh, if you have case suggestions, do send those our way. This was my first time in a podcast and I had a nice time. Great. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Follow him on the internet if you like funny drawings and uh, nice ceramics and also Star Trek memes. That's a big suggestion. That's probably what I'm going to be doing on Valentine's, (laughs) to be honest. I will be in bed watching The Next Generation, wondering what the hell is going to happen to Captain Picard and the crew.